Yes, you are listening to Law and Gospel on this Bible Study Wednesday, February the 6th in the year of our Lord 2019. What do we do on Wednesdays? We go through a Bible study, and I'm trying to keep the lessons from the following Sunday in mind, which is the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany. And so we're going to be looking at Isaiah chapter 6. And as people turn to it, we have a Bible study at a church, maybe more than one. And from 9.30 to 10, uh, they have the opportunity to listen to my understanding of this. And then from 10 to 10.30, it's an hour study. They can talk about it among themselves. And by the way, if you ever have a question from your group, you can email me at lawandgospel at lawandgospel101.com. And I will attempt to answer that question the following Wednesday. So without further ado, we're looking at the book of Isaiah. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Well, this is a vision. In fact... Sometimes those visions occur in regard to God the Father. Uh, For example, when Moses was on Mount Sinai, he only saw the backside of God. Because to see the face of God would result in death. And that's what Isaiah is going to be talking about in a moment. But before we get to that point... In this vision, the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. It reminds us also of Daniel, where the Ancient of Days is God the Father sitting on a throne. You can look up under Daniel 7, Daniel 8. And he sends who is referred to as the Son of Man to earth in order to redeem the earth. And guess who the Son of Man is? Well, of course, it's Jesus Christ. That occurs, that picture is necessary to be remembered when you look at Revelation chapter 1. Because Jesus Christ is described like the Ancient of Days was in Daniel. And it helps us to remember when Jesus says, I and the Father are one. When you see me, you see the Father. And so this vision, the prophet Isaiah is seen. Verse 2, above him stood the seraphim. Now, this is an angel, and it's in the plural. So there's more than one. And each had six wings. Now, remember, this is a vision. I'm quite confident that when Gabriel came to Mary and earlier to Zechariah, he probably appeared just like a regular human being without any wings, like they had done when the Lord and two angels visited Abraham in the Old Testament. But here they're described with six wings, and what are they used for? With two he covered his face. Because even angels are not allowed to see the face of God face to face. 
it appears that after the day of judgment, we all will see the face of God. So with two, he covered his feet. What does that mean? That means that he is not going anywhere unless instructed by God. In fact, the word angel, angelos in the Greek, is really referring to a messenger. And therefore, they are God's messengers. And I guarantee you, when they visited the shepherds who were in the fields watching over their flocks by night, they have been sent by God himself to give the message, uh, peace on earth. In fact, the angels are really interesting. They did the first Christmas sermon. They did the first Easter sermon. Remember to the women, you are seeking Jesus of Nazareth, who is crucified. And they give the first ascension sermon. Why are you looking up? He's going to return in like manner, as you have seen him go up into the clouds, uh, referring to Judgment Day. Well, at any rate, they have two wings covering their face, two covering their feet, and with two he flew. But he would only fly, as indicated earlier with what I'm saying, when the message is to be delivered. Now, there is no doubt that the Psalms give the impression that all of us have a guardian angel. In fact, how many of us have not seen that artistic rendering of two little children walking over a, a bridge that looks like it's about ready to fall into the water, but an angel is there watching over them. So, angels are very important, and Jesus Christ was not an angel who was part of creation. He is God. So even in the Old Testament, when they talk about Jesus as the angel uh, of the Lord, it's always the angel of the Lord in contrast to an angel of the Lord. Uh, you can take a look at numerous passages, even in the Old Testament, where Jesus appears. And one of the most well-known, of course, is when Moses was at the burning bush. And that was Jesus who appeared to him there. In fact, it even says, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him. And what was his name? I am who I am, which is the word Yahweh. And one angel called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Why three holies? Well, one for the Father, one for the Son, and one for the Holy Spirit. So here we find, throughout the Old Testament, segments of the Trinity somehow. The only time they appear together is at the creation of the world. I'm talking about the Trinity. The Father, first verse of the Bible, creates the world, the universe, and everything. The Holy Spirit hovers over the face of the waters. And then the next verse, and God said, let there be light. And according to John chapter 1, nothing was made that was not made by Jesus. Because later in John chapter 1, you know, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And then in verse 14, and the Word became flesh. 
so this is obviously talking about Jesus, without whom nothing was created. The other time that all three of them appear is all the way to the New Testament, and that is at the baptism of Jesus. Not to say that the Holy Spirit isn't found and Jesus and the Father isn't found throughout the entire Old Testament, but all of them together is at the creation and at the baptism of Jesus going on. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. And the word Lord in most English translations is capitalized. And when you see each letter, L-O-R-D, capitalized, it's referring to the name that Jesus gave to Moses when he asked, well, what is your name? And he says, I am who I am, which is, I am who I am, Yahweh. That's how the Hebrew has it. We're not even sure what the vowels are. We're guessing the first one's A and the second one's E. But remember, the Old Testament originally was written only in consonants. Uh, The vowels were added later. But at any rate, let's assume it's Yahweh. And they are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. So all three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, all three are God, which means they have all the prerequisites of God. They're almighty. They're all-knowing. They're all present. The earth is full of his glory. And in verse 4, And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. Now, we talked a little bit about that uh, yesterday with Pastor Mark Smith, that two of the gifts that were given by the wise men to the Virgin Mary were actually perfumes, one used in burial, if you'll recall, that was gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Myrrh was the funeral one. Frankincense was used as incense to represent the prayers of the saints. And so when you say the house was filled with smoke, which represents the prayers of the people, and the whole earth is full of his glory, you can imagine the foundations of the thresholds are shaking because Isaiah is seeing a vision of the Lord sitting upon his throne high and lifted up. So, how does Isaiah respond to that? Happy is me, does he say? I can see God. No, the very opposite. Woe is me, for I am lost. Now, why is he lost? Well, I've already mentioned that no one can see God and live. Now, this was only a vision because if it had been the true God, Isaiah would have been blinded. Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, I I guess maybe one one one-thousandth of his glory was shown there. But in his true glory, you're going to have to have new eyes like Job talks about. I know that my Redeemer lives, and on the last day I will see him. My own eyes will see him, which means Job's getting a new body at the resurrection, as is well stated throughout the New Testament verses dealing with the last day. But at this point, Isaiah, thinking that this is 
uh, real vision of God, which it is, believes he is lost because he is a man of unclean lips. And he dwells in the midst of a people of unclean lips. Because my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. Now, the word host there, um, most scholars believe it's referring to the host of angels, that he is Lord over all of them. Why does he have this attitude? Well, it's part of the reason why this Old Testament lesson is chosen for the fifth Sunday after the Epiphany, because the gospel has Jesus telling well-known fishermen that they ought to let their nets down, even though they haven't caught anything all night. Peter says, well, you know, giving the impression, you know, Jesus, you're not a fisherman. We've fished all night. We didn't catch anything, but I'll still let them down because you ask us to. And then their nets are almost breaking as they enclose a large number of fish. What's Peter's reaction? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. Now, Peter was a believer in the coming of the Messiah. He still had a lot to learn about what the work of the Messiah was going to be. Remember, he criticized Jesus when Jesus said, I'm going to Jerusalem to die on the cross. No, no, no. And Jesus had to say, get thee behind me, Satan, because I was Satan misrepresenting the Christ to Peter. If Peter had just read Psalm 22, Pearson, Hands and Feet, and other passages where it shows that Jesus, the Messiah, will have to die as a human being for the sins of the world, he wouldn't have said, don't worry, I'll protect you. No, when Jesus was led away by the soldiers in the Garden of Gethsemane, the disciples should have stood at attention and applauded because finally the passages of the Old Testament were coming to fruition. Well, Isaiah really believes he's in trouble because he is a man of unclean lips. Now, what does that mean? It means that, remember, the book of James talks about the most dangerous part of our body is the tongue. I mean, how many times have you said something and said, boy, I wish I hadn't said it that way? Because people will never forget it. I mean, the worst thing you say to a child, one of your children is I wish you had never been born. Now, you may do that out of anger to them, but that's not something they're going to forget. And that really takes repentance and apology on the part of the parent uh, to the child to help them understand that what was said was really inappropriate. But at any rate, I've had members of the congregation that I've served, and they don't quite understand the Lord's Supper, I had one delinquent who wasn't coming to the Lord's Supper for two months, and we went to visit her and found out that she had done a sin, and she did not think she was worthy to receive the Lord's Supper. You know, that's a total misunderstanding of the Lord's Supper, because the Lord's Supper is not for worthy people who are worthy in their works. It's a long gospel thing here. None of us are worthy enough to approach God. So God has to do something so that he can regard us as worthy 
to come into his presence. So what does he do? This next passage is really good. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. Now, what's going on here? Well, the altar always represents the presence of God. We we put the bread and the wine that in, with, and under will be the body and blood on the altar. We bring our offerings to the altar. We have the candles on the altar. The pyramids of the altar, those are the cloth coverings, change week to week sometimes because of the different colors. Right now we're in Epiphany, which is green. Uh, we're going to be coming up to where we're going to put on white, and then we're going to, for Lent, put on purple. Uh, Easter is white, and then during the season of Pentecost, it's primarily green. And this all goes on the altar representing the presence of God in our midst. So this angel, he flies to me having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. So a burning coal represents, of course, that's how they did sacrifices. They would put an animal on the altar. And remember Abraham? What did he have to do to Isaac first? He had to kill him with a knife. And he had raised the knife. And after he had killed him, he had planned on burning him. It's a burnt offering. And, and you wonder, how would Abraham do that if he had a promise from God that through Isaac, many of the nations would be blessed? Why would he put to death? Well, the answer doesn't come until the book of Hebrews, where it says that Abraham's faith was so strong that he believed that had he knifed his son Isaac to death and then burnt him, God would have still risen him from the dead. Well, that's faith, because I don't know of anybody who had yet had a resurrection from the dead up to the time of Abraham, and yet he believed that. So at any rate, this burning coal is taken with tongs from the altar, and it would represent, therefore, the presence of God, and the angel flies to Isaiah and touches my mouth and says, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. If this isn't pointing forward to the cross of Jesus Christ, where our guilt is taken away and our sin atoned for, I don't know. We, we need to be understanding, and this is why I like this passage. Notice that our sins are not taken away, as though we're never going to sin again. What's taken away is our guilt. What's guilt? Why do you feel guilty about something? Well, you do something wrong, and then you feel, and you have a guilty conscience. And why is that? Because you believe that something's going to happen to you. There's a consequence to our sins. You see, when it says your guilt is taken away, it's not your sin that's taken away so you never sin again. 
No, the punishment, the consequence of your sin is taken away because Jesus bore it for us. And what was that consequence? Separation from the Father. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And what today is going to be that coal from the altar? I believe it's the waters of baptism. If you read Romans 6, you will find that through baptism, we are declared righteous in the sight of God. I would say that the angel taking the coal from the altar and touching the lips of Isaiah is what we refer to as justification. Because of the offering which the coal represents, we are justified in the sight of God and receive faith to believe the promises of the gospel concerning Jesus Christ. That's justification. But remember, theology is the art of making distinctions, and every time you say justification, what follows it? Sanctification. Now, unfortunately, every religion in the world reverses those two. They put sanctification first. In other words, you start improving your behavior. You start doing good works. You are kind to people. God looks at you and says, ah, now there's somebody that I have decided to justify because they're such a good person. You find that kind of thinking nowhere in Scripture. First, you are justified. That is, you are declared guiltless, sinless, and righteous by God's declaration. Then comes sanctification. Well, where do we find that in Isaiah 6, 1 to 8? Well, listen to verse 8. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Now, that's the first point I want to make. It's for us, not for me. So who's the us? Well, the Holy, Holy, Holy. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So God is sending out a message. Who will go for us? And I, now this is Isaiah said, here am I, send me. Do you remember that wonderful hymn that we have, send me, send me? Yes. That's who's going to do the mission work. No, I will go. Send me, send me. And so the Lord gives them instructions as to how to preach Remember, we were talking with Jeremiah not long ago, and God said to Jeremiah, you go and preach my word. And Jeremiah said, how can I do that? I'm only a youth. And God said, do not ever say you are only a youth, for I will give you the words to say. I will put them in your mouth. You know, that's a good message for all of us who tend to be quiet when we should speak up. Because... I, I, I don't know what I'm going to say. But if you begin a conversation with someone who needs to hear the gospel, 
and you simply mention the faith you have in Jesus Christ, let the Holy Spirit take off from there and perhaps create faith in that person because of your word. Or at least invite him to church or talk about a hymn you sang or a Bible verse that is important to you. You should always have an important Bible verse on your mind, and that way you can always share it with someone. Or you've got the creeds, particularly the Apostles' Creed is a simple creed because every phrase in the Apostles' Creed is a quote from the Bible, and that's what you say. So what are we going to do with this lesson? Yes, we are all unclean people, but God has declared us clean by the coal from the altar, which is none other than Jesus on the cross. How often you go to church, you look at the bullet and says, it's time for the sermon. And then you listen to someone for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes. How do you know you've heard a sermon? A lot of so-called sermons aren't really sermons today. On the next Long Gospel, Rumination Thursday with Wes Reimnitz, we'll talk about how do you know you're hearing a sermon. I'm Tom Baker. God bless. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.